Hi everyone, you uh, might be able to see that I've got a bit of a sweat up this morning and uh, that's partly because uh, I'm up above the uh, the church here at the top of those shaley cliffs and um, I thought I thought I had a key to get up here but but I didn't so I've, I've climbed up with uh, my backpack and um, it's humid already I like it up here you can see the uh, the range behind me and then down towards the city and the river the other way and if I was to just go a little bit further up the hill here to the summit be able to see out to the bay and uh, I'm grateful every day for this little piece of earth uh, that we call home and as a part of that I'm grateful for uh, the way that the um, the Turbal people whose whose land it was originally I have cared so well for it for uh, for many many years and grateful for the wisdom of their elders in the way that uh, they've done that in the past uh, it's a sadness to me that, that there's not more turbo culture uh, around um, and, and maybe, uh, you know, a bit of an indictment uh, really on, on the way that Brisbane's been sort of settled, the way that a city got plonked on top of turbo people's country and culture. Uh, but that's why I think this week's really important, NAIDOC week is important because we need to celebrate uh, what we do have here, the richness that we do have um, from our First Nations uh, brothers and sisters. And, um, you know, we might not be able to uh, make up for the sins of the past, but, but we can make an effort to make sure uh, that some of those things don't happen again in the future. So uh, I hope you've taken a moment to engage with Pastor Graham's message this NAIDOC week and it'd be great um, for all of us to take a moment to, to try and, and, and know a little bit more at the end of this week than we did before it started. Anyway, on with uh, the message for this morning. Um, over the next two weeks, uh, we're looking at quite a big chunk of the letter uh, we call Ephesians. I thought this week we could read it ourselves because it's um, a significant sort of chunk of scripture. So over the next two weeks in our groups, we can, we can read the passage. Um, and there's some spicy stuff in there, which I think is good to look at. And, and um, I've seen Joyce Sermon for next week where she handles some of that and so grateful for her wisdom in the way that she does that. But I'm going to uh, focus on, on, on the first part of this chunk that concerns Christian living and um, maybe just give us something to think about on the way. There's this uh, joke uh, about a, a Christian, let's say he's a missionary and he uh, decides to travel across the sea to a far off country. And uh, unfortunately he's ship, shipwrecked on the way and he finds himself the sole inhabitant of a tiny little island way out in nowhere. And uh, he's there for, for several years, let's say, and uh, eventually a, a container ship comes past and uh, it's, it's crewed by some people who are from a, a non-Christian country, let's say it's South China somewhere. 
and uh, he manages to, to wave them down and his good fortune means that they, they see him and they come and, and they rescue him. And, and the crew's a little bit amused uh, at what they've seen on the island. So one of the crew who speaks English says to this Christian man, uh, we're really grateful, we're happy that we could, um, we, could, we could help you. But can you explain something to us? We noticed that there were three structures on that tiny little island, uh, but there's only one of you. Three little huts, what's going on there? And so the missionary says, well, uh, the first one uh, on the left there is, is where I sleep and eat. It's basically my house. The one next to it, well, that's the church that I built so I could worship somewhere. He leaves it at that. And so the crew member who speaks English says, well, what about the third one? You haven't said anything about the third one. And the man says, well, uh, that's the other church and I'd never set foot in that place. The idea of the joke is the way that we, as Christians, can sometimes, um, you know, be uh, so convinced of, of the rightness of the way that we do things that uh, we sort of implicitly uh, see the way that other people do things as wrong, and, and that's been a source of great division, even amongst Christians. Uh, maybe a little bit of a sad joke actually. There's another joke um, about the fact that uh, wherever you have two Jews, so you've got two Jews in a room, you'll have at least three opinions. So where there are two Jews, there's going to be at least three opinions. And um, I think this says something about uh, Jewish culture, but specifically the Jewish approach to scripture, which obviously is such a huge source for their culture. For, for Jews, um, engagement with scripture has been about discussion. Um, for, for Christians, oftentimes, we, we want to try and um, establish what is the one uh, best and truest reading of, let's say, a passage of the Bible, Genesis 2. Um, one to six. We want to we want to um, understand what that means once and for all time. Whereas the Jewish approach to scripture has been maybe a little bit more about a very long, big discussion. Um, and you see this a little bit even as we read the New Testament. You see Jesus doing this thing that that rabbis did, where he he quotes what other rabbis have said, um, where. Uh, part of the Jewish sort of holy scriptures is this record of discussions about what the Torah might mean, what Genesis 2 might mean. Um, for Jews, it's often said that truth is not just something that you think, uh, but something uh, that you do or live. And it might be a bit different from we as Christians. Sometimes people have noticed that Christians do have this sense that uh, if only we can come to the one truest idea, then we've really grasped knowledge. The Jewish approach is, is that, that, that truth is something that needs to be lived. Sharon was um, telling me uh, about a book she read recently where it talked about this and how um, it mentioned that uh, 
there was a, a rabbi that the author was speaking to and the rabbi said our favorite thing to do is to invite all the other rabbis and their wives I know who have different opinions to mine around for dinner so that we can argue and discuss uh, the Torah uh, so we can argue and discuss uh, our ideas about God's Word and what God is saying um, and so you can see that you know there can be sort of two ways of coming at Scripture uh, if you make these kind of generalizations about a Jewish and a Christian approach uh, that, that, that the Jewish approach is interested in this big discussion um, and, and maybe for Christians uh, for we Christians it's sometimes more about arriving at the one best and truest reading. Now there's risks to both of these approaches. Uh, the risk with the big Jewish discussion uh, is that, you know, it might be too subjective, the reading that we get to or the process. Uh, we might never actually be able to pin something down that's useful for us if it's about, you know, well, if it's always about, well, what does the next person have to say and what perspective can they bring or add to mine or take away from mine? Uh, it might be slightly unnerving for us. It might seem a little bit too relative somehow. The risk uh, with the Christian approach of coming to the one best and truest reading of the Bible is that we can be convinced that we have that one best and truest reading when we don't actually. Uh, we might be wrong in our reading and we can do a lot of damage uh, by, by teaching that, that one reading that's slightly off or um, you know, subjecting people to, to a teaching that that because it hasn't, isn't actually aligned with who God is as much as it could be, it does damage in people's lives. And um, people have often made the point that uh, what's going on here culturally in the way that Christians come to Scripture um, is one of the reasons why we really love the letters of the New Testament, um, particularly Paul's letters, but all of them to a degree. Uh, the observation's been made that, you know, if you uh, looked maybe particularly at Protestant churches and uh, where the majority of their Bible teaching comes from, well, it comes from Paul's letters and there's a few really understandable reasons for that. One, I think, is that because Paul is writing to Christian communities, it's easiest for us to see ourselves in the pages of these New Testament letters. I mean, the Old Testament is full of some really weird stuff, right? Uh, it's just so culturally other and, of course, uh, the figures of the Old Testament are either sort of becoming Jews or Jews and the way that they honour God is different to us as Christians. So the fact that we can pick up Paul's letters and go, oh, Paul's speaking to a Christian in this city, I live in a city, I'm a Christian, uh, maybe it's easier for me to get at what Paul's saying here. The other thing is that um, Paul's letters and the letters in general, are, they often feature these lists of do's and don'ts, like the passage uh, that we looked at this morning, that we're looking at this morning. It's about Christian living, and that's kind of nice for us. We like uh, have something really easily applicable for our lives. But uh, one of the things that uh, Bible scholars have recognized as a bit of a challenge with this love that Christians have of the letters is that we can be lulled into thinking that there's not still a kind of significant historical and cultural gap between the people and the places 
that those New Testament writers are writing to and us and our lives and what it's like for us to live in the 21st century. I find myself leaning in whenever I hear people begin a sentence with, well, the Bible clearly says. Because, um, you know, I've got a little bit of Hebrew and a little bit of Greek, uh, just enough uh, to, to, to feel like uh, I wish the Bible would say a lot more clearly than it does. And of course, you know, I, uh, my life has been informed by Scripture. I read Scripture every day. I meditate on it. I study it. I discuss it. Um, and, and, I, and I feel like it sets a direction and a trajectory for my life. I feel like the decisions that I make are informed by the Bible, but it's not always easy getting to um, a prof of mine who sometimes uh, is on the ABC on Q&A, uh, John Stackhouse. He says uh, that the Bible is a grown-up book, and I think we can forget that sometimes we're kind of looking for the, for the children's uh, church takeaway, what's easy from Scripture, but actually it's a complex book dealing with the complexities of all of life. So, um, dealing with this fact that sometimes the Bible is not as clear as I'd like it to be, I found it useful uh, to do a few things in the way that I read it. I mean, I recognise that I need to study it, that um, it's not like I can just read and understand everything straight away. So, I, I think it's important that we study Scripture with humility, seeking to learn listening to what it might be saying it's the living word we say it's not like those words are dead on a page scripture is revealing new things to us as the world changes and history progresses uh, another thing is i, I always pray that um, the holy spirit would speak to me and i rely on the holy spirit to speak to me as i read scripture and thirdly i think we're supposed to read scripture in communities that um we're supposed to discuss the meaning of scripture and the application of scripture with one another because we do bring different perspectives and there is this sense in which truth has to be lived. It's the case that we might have the most clear grasp of a particular biblical principle or a particular biblical passage and then uh, we hypocritically don't live that out. It's about more than just some sort of intellectual understanding and so we need to live the word out uh, with our brothers and sisters helping us to understand it and apply it. A classic example, I think, of uh, this thing that I'm talking about where even though the, the letters of the New Testament seem clear to us or maybe clearer than other parts of the Bible, uh, classic example of the fact that there's still a historical and cultural gap at times is one of the verses that comes up next week uh, in the section that Joy is going to preach from, uh, she doesn't have time to address it, but it's Ephesians 6, 5, uh, which says this, oh, and this is spicy, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Um, I, I, I'm imagining uh, some of you reading that in your groups today and, you know, whoever, whoever gets that bit uh, or reading it next week, it, it's, it's almost hard to get those words out. Uh, and it's, it's the case that there's been times and places where people have, have gone of this passage, well, the Bible clearly says, uh, as though the application of this passage is that 
maybe that slavery's okay or that if you have slaves they're supposed to respect you or if you are a slave you're supposed to respect your master um the question that i ask myself about this passage because it does it doesn't condemn slavery at all it sort of takes it for granted the question that i ask myself about this passage is um well put it this way i don't know any christians i don't think i do who think that slavery is okay i certainly don't and so does that mean that i am ignoring scripture that i that i that i've put this passage from paul's letter in the too hard basket or does it mean that i'm being disobedient that i know what it says and i'm disregarding it because it doesn't suit me i don't think it's either of those things the reason why christians don't think that slavery is okay is because we've read and recognized that there is a cultural and historical gap between this context that Paul's speaking to in Ephesians and our own and we've read the whole witness of scripture in community and realized that uh, that application of that passage seems to be at odds with the bigger message of scripture if we're just thinking about this section that we look at today I think about Ephesians 5 1 to 2 which says follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. See, when I read that, it makes me aware that actually slavery can't exist in God's society, uh, that slavery wouldn't be God's word. And so this passage, Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, takes precedence over Ephesians 6, 5. It's more important. It's, it, it, it's, it's more foundational and it helps us to interpret that tricky passage about slaves and slave masters. And so I guess the principle that I want to put out there for us today is, you know, sometimes uh, Paul or the letters of the New Testament might be saying something uh, that we think is fairly clear in application, but it always has to pass this kind of spirit of God jesus character sniff test uh, does it come under or see as a foundation these other words does it make sense in light of a passage like ephesians 5 1 to 2 where we are to follow god's example um, and to walk in the way of love to give our lives up as christ his. So I thought I'd finish this morning by throwing some of the do's and don'ts from this section of Ephesians at you and, and getting you to have a bit of a talk and think about them in your groups. Um, this is a section from Ephesians 4 verses 25 to 32 and you'll see that Paul is speaking about these lists of do's and don'ts in light of what is going to work for the Christian community, what is going to build it up and not tear it down. Listen to this from verse 35. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. So the don't, put off falsehood, the do. Speak truthfully to your neighbour. We were all members of one body. 
verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. Assuming that we will get angry sometimes. It says here that the, the Christian solution is not to, to bottle that up, um, but actually to, to discuss it with the person. Don't, don't let the sun go down while we're angry. Go and do something about it. Talk to the person about it. That's something that builds community up, this community of love. Verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but they must work doing something useful with their hands that they might have something to share with those in need. So we work uh, honestly, we don't steal, and it's so that we have something to give to those who need it. We don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, verse 29 says, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it might benefit those who hear us speak. And finally, verse 30 to 32, says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So that's the don't. And the do is be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Hey, so I want to go back to those three things that guide my reading of scripture. And I, and I want to ask you to think about these do's and don'ts in light of them. What does it mean to study these passages? Is there something more that we can learn? How could we understand these passages better, this list of do's and don'ts? Um, how can we try and bridge that gap in history and culture so that we know that we are applying these passages correctly? How can we invite the Holy Spirit into the process of reading and understanding these passages? And then finally, what does it mean for us to work these passages through together? And of course, you're going to be doing that if you're sitting around in groups um, discussing these passages. So I'm going to pray for you as you do that, God. We thank you that your word does speak to us. We thank you that you do give us instructions in Scripture through how to live. Lord, I pray for us as a community that we would be studious, that we would take your word seriously, that we would really try and understand it, that we wouldn't be flippant in the way that we say things like, well, God's word clearly says, Lord, that we would be humble in going to your word to work out how we live it out, not just what we should and shouldn't believe. Holy Spirit, pray that you would just continue to, to deepen our understanding of your word, of God's word, pray that you would speak to us through it. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be in the midst of our community, helping us to come to know God better through the scriptures. Amen. Hey, have a great week. I'll see you soon.